Welcome to Healing the Spirit, a space where we awaken our creativity, deepen our connections, and remember who we are through the lens of astrology, archetypes, and art making. I'm your host, Jonathan Coe. Welcome to Healing the Spirit and welcome to this week's contemplation. So in this episode, I am going to be sharing with you some of my thoughts about uh, the week of August 28th, 2023. And I want to begin a little differently actually today. I want to begin by actually inviting you to participate in this little space that we're creating and just letting it be uh, an experiment right? And maybe this experiment will be quite light for you, and maybe this will be quite profound. I don't know. But um, I want to invite you at the beginning here to make a little space for yourself. And notice what comes up as I invite you to make space for yourself. Maybe that space looks like checking in with yourself, maybe asking yourself, how am I doing today? What am I feeling? What are some of the sensations that are moving through me? And maybe that space looks like noticing your environment, right? Maybe you are listening to this while you're doing other things. And so noticing what, what else is in your environment? What are you in connection with? You know, maybe your hands are... Um, operating, like maybe you're listening to this episode while you're in a car, right? Noticing the ways that your your hands are in connection with the steering wheel, maybe. Or maybe you're making art while you're listening to this, right? Just noticing, what am I um, in connection with? What am I um, interacting with or interacting with? And maybe also giving yourself a chance to notice what is um, what is in your spatial awareness, right? What, how are you interacting with the space around you? Maybe you're noticing that a lot of your energy or your attention is um, in the front of your body. And notice maybe what happens if you let yourself zoom out, you know, and include the back, right? Or maybe the lower parts of your body. What comes online, maybe what is becoming a little bit less saturated in your system. My sense is that for the past few weeks, a lot of us have been moving through a lot. A lot of us have been moving through transformations, shifts, maybe shedding, maybe a letting go process. And that can be quite intense, you know? Especially, I would say, if some of those changes are invisible to the outside world, right? There's a way in which when changes happen externally, there's something for us to talk about. You know, there's something for us to show, 
right? But when, what about the invisible changes, you know, that, that sometimes happen when there are no external changes, right? And what about the invisible changes that happen while external changes are also happening? We don't tend to get a lot of validation for that, you know? We don't tend to get a lot of care, maybe even from our environment for engaging in this deep internal work. And so I want you to make a little bit of space for you to really validate your present moment experience right now. And for a brief moment, right, I I want you to give yourself permission for the next two minutes or so or more, if that feels good to you, to just let yourself focus on your experience. What if you're not worried about whether your experience is impacting or taking away from any other person's experience? And this is totally internal work, right? No one else can really validate your experience but you. You are the only person right now experiencing the world, experiencing this reality as you're experiencing it. And some of those experiences may be shared. There may be similarities with other people, but there may be differences too. And so what happens if you find yourself um, moving your attention to the past? Or moving your attention to the future. Um, that's totally fine, right? That's very human. But also what happens if you let yourself ground into this present moment? How's your body feeling right now? What's going on floating around in your mind? What is your experience listening to me talk right now? Maybe some part of you is feeling like, wow, what what is going on here? <laughs> this is a little strange. Maybe, right? Um, some of you may be a little bit annoyed. Like, I just want to skip through this part, you know, and listen to what Jonathan has to say. And what happens if you just welcome all of that experience into this moment right now? I'm just letting myself personally breathe into that experience. You don't have to do this with me, right? But there's something really interesting about this week. We have a lot of planets going retrograde. And while I don't think that all planets... um have the same effect when it's going retrograde on everyone's chart, I do think that there is kind of an intense collective experience. And some of those intensities may manifest as busyness or kind of frustration. Some of it may manifest as relaxation or maybe a diffusion even of energy. But 
first and foremost, the reason why I really want to start with that little check-in is because I want you to, or rather I want to invite you into a practice of letting yourself do that whenever it feels supportive, right? There are times when checking in does feel too much, you know, and that's that's totally fine, right? But also what happens when we find ourselves in the midst of a pretty intense collective experience and we let ourselves really check in with our own experience. And so to that end, I want to take this a little further, right? I want to shake up the order of this contemplation a little bit. So before I share some of my thoughts about the astrology or even talk about the details of the astrology, I pulled a couple cards um, for all of us listening, gathering through this particular format, to be letting ourselves um, sink into, you know, some some anchoring, right, from, from these cards. So I pulled two cards from the tarot, and you're absolutely welcome to check out the pictures of these cards. But if you are like me, um, and, and the pictures, the link to the, to the photos will be in the show notes below. But if you are like me and you don't really like to look at things while you're listening to things, um, then I invite you to just let it swish around, even if you don't have a relationship with the tarot, right? Just let yourself have an experience of what is stirring, what is coming up for you as you hear about the cards that I'm pulling. So the first card that I pulled is the Ace of Swords. And what's really sticking out to me with regards to the visuals here from this particular card is it almost looks like we are having access to this little scene that's happening in this card from the top of the room, right? Um, we're like, at the top of the room looking down and at the bottom of the room what it looks like is that it looks like there's someone meditating there you know and this card for me personally is kind of bringing up a sense of vision right vision that is achieved through a maybe non-normative means right vision that are that is not ocular that's not coming from our eyes, but maybe vision that's coming from a deeper place within. And so letting all of that just kind of swish around for you. Um, and then the next card that I pulled is Justice. And in this particular Justice card that I am pulling, this is from the Serpent Fire Tarot. Um, there... The card is divided into two portions, and the two portions look pretty much identical, at least to my eyes. Maybe there's a, you know, where is Waldo situation here <laughs> going on, right? Maybe it's actually not so similar, but um, it looks like some Egyptian figures. And I, I see some um, glyphs as well, which is interesting. But this card, in many ways, look very symmetrical, 
from top to bottom, there's definitely symmetry there. There's also symmetry from the left side to the, to the right side. So what comes up for you? What, what are you wondering about? Maybe giving yourself a moment to just let that sink. Maybe nothing comes up. That's cool too. And I also decided to do a little bibliomancy here. And I'm doing this with a book that I've been really enjoying um, contemplating on which is Rick Rubin's The Creative Act, A Way of Being. And I randomly opened this little chapter called The Energy in the Work. So I'm going to read it for all of us and just let yourself relax as you're listening to this and um, trust that, you know, if you make meaning out of this, that's cool. And if there's no meaning to be taken or this doesn't feel like it's for you, that's fine too. So, here's what Rick Rubin wrote. What motivates us to work so diligently? What drives us to finish certain pieces and not others? We would like to think that it's our enthusiasm, a feeling that wells up when in the throes of self-expression. This energy is not generated by us. We are caught by it. We picked it up from the work. It contains the charge, a contagious vitality that pulls us forward. Works hinting at greatness contain a charge we can feel, like static before a lightning storm. They consume their maker, occupying waking thoughts and dreams. Sometimes they become the artist's reason for living. The energy feels similar to another force of creation in the world. Love. A kinetic draw beyond our rational comprehension. Early in the project, excitement is the inner voltmeter to watch to help choose which seed to develop. When you're handling a seed and the needle jumps, it indicates that the work is worthy of your attention, your devotion. It holds the potential to sustain your interest and make the effort worthwhile. As you experiment and craft, more energetic charges are set off as further decisions are made. You catch yourself losing track of time, forgetting to eat, withdrawing from the outside world. Other times the process is a grind. Minutes pass slowly and you count down the days until the work is complete. A prisoner etching marks on a cell wall. Remember that the energy in the work isn't always accessible to you. At times, you take a wrong turn and the charge is lost, or you're so deep in the details that you can't see the bigger picture. Even with the greatest work, it's natural for excitement to wax and wane. If the work is thrilling one day and isn't for a long while after, you may have experienced a false indicator. When the moments of joy seem like a distant memory and the work feels like an obligation to a past idea, this could mean you've either gone too far or that particular seed wasn't actually ready to germinate yet. 
If the energy is depleted, either back up a few steps to tap back into the charge or find a new seed generating excitement. One of the skills an artist develops is the ability to recognize when either they or the work have nothing left to give each other. All living things are interconnected, depending on one another to survive. A work of art is no different. It generates excitement in you. This commands your attention, and your attention is exactly what is required for it to grow. It's a harmonic, mutually dependent relationship. The creator and the creation rely on each other to thrive. The call of the artists is to follow the excitement. Where there's excitement, there's energy. Where there's energy, there's light. The best work is the work you are excited about. So I love that little passage because to me, this little book, by the way, The Creative Act by Rick Rubin is very trickster because in many ways I bought it thinking that it was going to be about art, but it's actually about life. So if you notice yourself reflected there or you're feeling like, oh, wow, yeah, I'm kind of moving past some of those same experiences, I want you to uh, let yourself take away anything that is relevant for you there. Um, I also want to say in my own perspective, in my own cosmology, everything is art, right? Our lives are works of art. Um, our relationships are works of art, right? And so with all the shedding, maybe the transformations, the, the shifting that has been going on, um, as we're approaching late summer, or in the height of late summer, depending on how you want to see it, um, it it makes sense, you know, if you are noticing the ways that you are changing and you're feeling a lot of grief around that. Um, so this week on Monday, the 28th, we have Uranus stationing retrograde. And this is fascinating because at this point, we have all the outer planets, if you use Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto, all three of them are retrograde at this point. Neptune has been retrograde since June 30th, Pluto since May 1st this year. So we have a number of planets currently going retrograde. Um, you know, on top of Uranus, Neptune, Pluto, which are the outer planets, um, discovered a bit later, often considered a modern planet. We also have Mercury, Venus, and Saturn, right? on at the beginning of this week which are all what we call traditional planets and they're all going retrograde so we have we we are definitely in retrograde season there's no question about it and um on wednesday the 30th we have the full moon in pisces which is um again i think this is quite an intense transit actually i'll talk more about that and, and some of my own thoughts about that. Specifically, I'm interested in how this moon is pretty closely uh, conjoined Saturn, 
which is also in Pisces. And so I think there's there's Saturnian flavors, right, to this particular full moon. And, um, you know, the sun obviously is in Virgo, right, answering to Mercury, currently retrograde in Virgo, an earth sign. And the moon is in Pisces um, next to Saturn, which is in Pisces too, both of them answering to Jupiter in Taurus, right? And so um, there's there's a lot of earthiness here, you know, on top of, yes, the watery uh, realm of Pisces, you know, is going to stir things up. But I think that um, we're going to see it in, in very tangible ways and maybe feel it in very visceral ways as well. And then on Sunday... The third, Venus finally stations direct, you know, and, and so whenever planets station direct, it moves pretty cl- slowly, right, before finally gaining speed and, and moving in, you know, direct and full force. Um, but I do think that, you know, it, it marks a change, right, in, in this, uh, retrograde season we're experiencing. The truth is, um, this is not part of this week in, in the US, but, um, on September 4th, um, U.S. time, Jupiter begins stationing retrograde. So essentially, after Venus stations direct, Jupiter stations retrograde. I think the impact of Jupiter going retrograde um, may be less personal for us. And so I definitely think we are ending a particular chapter in this interesting retrograde season, right? And... Um, yeah, it's it's an energetic shift, I think, after this week. But the truth of the matter is that we have a week where six planets are going retrograde, right, until September 15th. So, you know, with the whole uh, Venus going direct, but then Jupiter going retrograde, essentially until Mercury stations direct, we have a bunch of planets going retrograde, right? And so you might notice yourself having a human reaction to this right? There may be a part of you that's like, what does that mean? You know, um, this is something that you'll have to maybe hash out with an astrologer, or if you have astrological fluency to really look at in your own chart. But my favorite way to work with astrology is to look at your own life, you know, especially when it comes to natal astrology. What's going on in your life right now, right? How is this retrograde energy or how is what you're understanding about retrograde energy um, showing up in your lived experience and really giving yourself um, permission to validate that that experience is valid, right? That that experience is really happening, at least for you personally, right? And also, I think, especially if you're listening to this podcast, chances are you're you're following a lot of Instagram accounts, you know, talking about astrology. And there's going to be a lot of people talking about this retrograde. And while I don't want to minimize the experience that you may be having listening to everybody and their mothers talking about, you know, what this retrograde, retrograde this, retrograde that, I also want to um remind you to also not blow this out of proportion right we have um we have a propensity to do that with astrology right and i think um one of the one of the resources i would direct you to is uh diana rose harper 
one of my mentors and a human whose perspective I really respect wrote a post about how personal is this retrograde. Um, you can find a link in the show notes below. And those of you who are more astrologically fluent or at least interested may want to be reading that, right? And just kind of getting a general impression of um, how often planets go retrograde because I do feel like people talk about it a lot. And also, you know, for good reason. Like I don't blame a lot of astrologers talking about it because you can really feel the shift, right? Energetically, especially when you're kind of tuning into the systemic, the collective, you know? And for me personally, this retrograde, especially this moment within the retrograde season that we're in, is um, making me contemplate my own relationship with fear, right? And with awe. Specifically, in what ways are my fears controlling me? What are the ways in which my fear clouds my sense of creativity, my sense of agency, right? This is, yes, this can be deep subconscious work, but it's also really practical, right? Um, the reason why I'm contemplating this is because it feels to me quite important to be in right relationship with our fear of transits because chances are if you let yourself sink deeper into any sort of fear or any sort of feelings honestly that you have about transits there is something there for you to also witness about your relationship with um collective experiences you know, and collective experiences are intense because collective experiences impact a lot of people, right? And people have all kinds of different reactions around it, you know? And, and I think when we notice or when we sense, because we are all sensitive humans, right? Even those of us who don't identify as intuitive or sensitive, I would say that all of us humans are very sensitive and noticing, right, the different ways that people are responding to collective energies or collective things happening, even just like watching the news, right? It's, it's um, intense because it can show us what are not within our direct control or what are not fully within our control, right? Um, transits really are collective experiences, right? No matter where Venus falls on your birth chart, let's say, as an example, we all are currently experiencing Venus in Leo, right? And that might be louder for some people, depending on your chart again, but that doesn't mean that it's not also present for everyone else, you know? And so the implication of that is, um, again, like the retrogrades can feel visceral because maybe you're not even experiencing your own experience, right? You're just perceiving other people having experiences and that brings up an experience within you, you know? Uh, this is something that I've noticed about myself a lot, that when I really dial into my own experience, there are moments where I'm not experiencing anything. Actually, there's kind of a, a blankness, an emptiness to my experience. And yet, I'm having an experience of perceiving other people having an experience, you know, and that's kind of a, um, that's a bit of a, I don't know if any of you watched that movie, 
uh, Inception from a while back, but that that feels very Inception-y to me, right? Um, and it's it's really, I mean, for someone in in my seat, you know, who has this devotional practice of showing up on this podcast, sharing reflections, thoughts, contemplations that are coming up about the astrology, about the energy. Um, it's been a really interesting experience for me because I, I get a pretty direct relationship, right? Of not only how the astrology is impacting me, you know, um, often I would say 90% of the time, what I experience is pretty similar to some of the things I expect to experience, but also I get to, uh, see how, how it impacts others. Right. And I get to test it out. Right. I get to hear from many of you how the week's going, you know, and, and this past week, I get a lot of folks reporting back that they're really feeling it, you know. And so, um, there may be a part of you that's like a little bit annoyed by that. You know, sometimes when I have an experience that everybody else seems to be having, um, I have a reaction to that. Right. There's a part of me that's like, I'm annoyed, you know, because I wish I were special, you know, or or some part of me is hanging on to the uniqueness of my particular struggles, right? So uh, hearing that other people are having similar experiences can be a really annoying experience, you know? And I think for those of you listening to this podcast, you're the kind of person who are aware, right, of what a lot of people or what you are going through, you know? And... um. I even had this experience, right, of people around me in my life who are not into astrology getting extremely frustrated, you know, on the day that Mercury stationed retrograde, right? Um, and, and so I think it's interesting thinking about how astrological awareness is, um, can be a double-edged sword, you know, it can be a relief and a balm. It can also feel like a problem because it opens up our sensitivity to things, right? Including the things that we would rather not be sensitive towards. So I think that our relationship with astrology and with collective energy is in many ways very similar, right? And so we can, we can use our experience with astrology to mirror back to us our relationship with being an individual human who are also living through collective experiences, right? And maybe if I could be bold enough to say, a lot of our relationship to astrology is directly fed, right, by our relationship to larger systems. What is astrology if not a larger system, right? The, the correlation between planetary happenings and human affairs represent this larger system that again we don't always have control over similar to how you know we don't have full control over maybe the tax codes right or the law of the country that we currently live in the the travel restrictions right or how we don't have full control over beliefs that our culture or our religion holds right and so this is where I would invite you to kind of direct some awareness, right? During this retrograde period. Because in some sense, I think the reason why this is really coming up is that conjunction, right? With the full moon coming up 
the moon conjoins Saturn, and the moon and Saturn both being in Pisces, there's something about what does it mean for us to be experiencing this collective wave, right? This collective cosmic soup that we're all in. You know, what's your relationship with with that? You know, do you do you fight against it? Are you neutral about it? Are you trepidatious? You know, or are you fully swept in? You know, or or do you find yourself maybe like having some parts of you completely in it and some parts of you completely out of it? Right? It's it's really normal for us to be um, having different experiences, complex experiences, depending on um, depending on the different parts that we are in touch with that are currently online. Right? Um, it's interesting, I think, to notice our feelings about the general systems, right? The, the greater systems that in some ways govern our lives, you know? How how are your feelings about astrology similar to your feelings about the systems that govern your life and how are they dissimilar, you know? And um, I would invite you to really notice what is happening again, right? And, and let it swish around in your field. And, and also practice, you know, letting yourself um, have those experiences move through you, you know, rather than like solidifying them, integrating them immediately into your identity, right? Um, as someone who grew up in, um, you know, religious contexts, um, I'm well aware, right, of, of the line between fear and awe. It's easy to feel fearful of larger things that we deem outside of our control, right? That feels really massive. And this is where a lot of us as, as humans, you know, as a, as a collective can, can sometimes be quite susceptible to being controlled, right? It's that space where we don't feel like we have control as an individual that often inspires this base level reaction, you know, this animal instinct to kind of go towards survival mode or into herd mentality. And so this is making me think a lot about how systems, you know, whether they're political or social or religious, really correlate with the 12th house in astrology, right? The 12th house in astrology is, it's the place where, where things that are hidden reside, the 12th house is where we go to be with our own solitude because the outside world can just feel too activating for our nervous system, right? The 12th house is where we experience exile because perhaps we've done something that uh, goes against the expectation of the social fabric around us, right? Or places where maybe we need to be apart from from uh, the social fabric in order to be devoted to something else, right? The 12th house, when we think about it in terms of diurnal motion, meaning the movement of the sun throughout the day, right? The, the 12th house is where the sun rises. So say if you have the sun in the 12th house in your birth chart, that means that you were someone who was born during sunrise, right? And there's there's trepidation to the sunrise experience. There's hesitation. There's the sense that um, the sun has just been pushed out of its experience in the underworld, right? And the sun is uh, beginning to 
uh, increase in its light and asking, now what? You know, what happens now that I'm out of the underworld, right? And the 12th house is also where Saturn traditionally rejoices, right? One way to think about Saturn rejoicing in the 12th house is that this is a liminal space. This is a void, right? This is the solitude place um, where one is invited to create structures, whether that structure is an actual structure or a particular way of structuring our awareness, right? Maybe a more fancy way to say that will be like, is this tangible structure or is this like a mindset structure, right? And so I'm curious here, how is your relationship with Saturn nowadays? How is your relationship with that which is larger than you, that you don't always get to have a say around, right? That you are maybe born into and that you don't always feel like you get to choose, right? How is your relationship with the systems that you're currently living in? You know, I think there's subtlety and nuance, right? Between feeling completely at the mercy of the systems we're in and, you know, finding ways to collaborate with what is or at the very least our perception of what is and how things are, right? There's a way in which systems limit you know, but systems also contain, right? So how do we collaborate? How do we negotiate with systems, right? That includes uh, the system of the cosmic soup, you know, that we're currently in, right? With all of these planets going retrograde. How do we collaborate and negotiate with those systems um, through discernment, you know, around how we're going to internalize the impact, Right of what we are able to accomplish and not able to accomplish within this particular cosmic soup, right? Um, and so I think this full moon is interesting because one way I've been thinking about it is that part of what also interacts with our relationship with larger systems is our relationship with smaller systems that we allow to hold us in our lived experience, right? And some of you may have heard me talking about some version of this, you know, especially with regards to Saturn and Pisces. But I think it's really worth coming back to, you know, because Saturn and Pisces to me is about the energetic structures of our lived experience, right? And and energetic structures are not mutually exclusive with actual structures, right? Like I've experienced, you know, uh, making myself wake up a little bit earlier in the day and I've noticed a huge energetic difference. I, I feel very different when I wake up early in the morning versus when I let myself sleep at like 4 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> right? Like the person who sleeps at 4am and wakes up at 12pm has a very different experience than the person who sleeps at 10pm and wakes up at 6am, you know, even though both uh, gets like eight hours of sleep, right? So I think that something I would encourage you to maybe play around with this week is to really take a look, you know, take a curious, compassionate look at the systems that are holding you, right? That are upholding your existence currently. And notice how those systems, right? Those energetic systems 
which we can say the Piscean of the experience, is impacted by how you organize your daily life, right? Um, what are some of the things that you are doing that are maybe making you not feel that great, right? And what maybe was supportive in the in the past and is no longer supportive right now, right? That needs a little bit of changing and tweaking. One thing that I love about both Pisces and Virgo as mutable signs, but specifically these two mutable signs, is that I think there's willingness for um, Virgo and Pisces to kind of embrace everything right and what i mean by that is pisces i think is really great at embracing all of the energetic strands right that come into our lived experience pisces knows uh that sometimes you need to cry it out you know and then you need to watch something really funny or like eat some ice cream right and and like let yourself have those very extreme experiences you know if some of you followed me on instagram some of you may know that this past weekend i had this experience of like it was a very cathartic experience honestly like i i had domino's for dinner domino's pizza um and then i watched a really moving documentary on yayoi kusama and then had like this big spiritual epiphany <laughs> at the end of the day you know like sometimes that's what you need right you need a, a bit of a sprawling out and i think pisces has a way of really embracing all of that lived experience and then with virgo virgo embraces the the fact that what works is an ever-changing thing right that you know there's something that i think as a virgo rising myself I tend to perceive people get wrong about Virgo, right? People think that Virgo energy is so critical, but it's not about criticality, in my own experience at least. I notice Virgo energy moving through me and a lot of people that I talk to um, in terms of Virgo energy, understanding that adjustments are necessary components, adjustments are necessary components to, to reaching the next stage of the evolution, right? And so what happens when you are not afraid to embrace the vastness and the complexity of your experience, your energetic, your emotional, your spiritual experience, and also you're not afraid of switching things around, you know, and not feeling like you have to come to a final draft, right? That it's okay to make minute changes. It's okay to make revisions and... um corrections right every step of the way so yeah just to kind of link it back right to to some of the things that i've been sharing with you it's making me think about uh how how justice right the justice card in the tarot is very much connected to this idea of balance you know at least for me and i think there is something really powerful about thinking about this extreme experience of Pisces and Virgo, right? And letting it inform how you show up, 
you know, and and not be afraid of of the extremity of that experience, while also at the same at the same time with Ace of Swords, right? Trusting that embracing those experiences is not going to make your life more messy. In many ways, it's actually going to simplify things because as you embrace the vastness of your experience, as you embrace the ever-changing nature of reality and the fact that you will continue to have to find new solutions to new problems that pop up, right? And maybe they're not even problems. Maybe they are just um, evidence of your aliveness, right? Evidence that you are here as an alive being in this ever-shifting alive universe, right? That embracing all of that is going to lead you to some version of clarity, right? Even if maybe that clarity isn't always available in the moment, I think there's something very nice about at least having a little bit of faith in that, you know? And and with... um the passage that I was just reading from the creative act, just to kind of tie it all together, I think there's something about that passage that is about holding this complexity, right? Of knowing when something is really not working, right? And it's time for you to leave. Or maybe it just needs a break. Or maybe you need to continue going deeper. You know, and whatever's coming up for you as I'm saying that, right? It may be your relationships. It may be a project that you're working on, right? Feel into it, you know? Don't be afraid to take breaks. I think for a lot of us, when things are not working anymore, it feels easy to just be like, I just want to let it all go, you know, or like just toss it to the fire. Sometimes that's correct. Other times... You just need to give the thing a little bit of a breathing room, right? And let yourself have that experience of distancing from the thing and noticing what happens. All right, friends, that is a pretty meaty contemplation. Um, I'm honestly a little surprised because I didn't have a lot of clarity going in to this particular one about what feels really relevant to share but i trust that there's something there for you to listen to if you found yourself listening to this episode and especially if you found yourself listening all the way here right and you haven't given up um yeah thank you thank you for your presence i especially again if you make it this far i don't take it for granted that you are your attention is precious and that I hope that um, this space that we are co-creating here is helpful for you and, and that it's given you a chance to look deeply at your own experience, right? That is probably my biggest takeaway from this contemplation, which is an encouragement for you to really let yourself have your experience. You know, it's easy, especially when we're moving through something intense, to be like, oh, but maybe that person's going through X, Y, Z, right? Or maybe I need to be more compassionate. There's a lot of shoulds that can happen in our internal 
dialogue with ourselves when we're moving through intense things, you know. And so if you are moving through intense things and you are having that experience, I'm not telling you to shift that, right, unless you really want to. You can. But if you don't want to, you can also remember that you can kind of toggle back and forth, right, and really let yourself move from a space of making decisions based on your experience, not really your perception of how others are experiencing things, not really your experience of how, and perception and assumption maybe even, of how the collective is perceiving things, right? Let yourself have your experience for a week, like this coming week, and see what happens. See what happens. All right, friends, I am sending you so much gentleness, so much warmth, and I hope that you take good care of yourselves um, during this week, and I'll hopefully see you next week. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you take good care of yourselves.